Well, good morning, everyone. So good to have all of you at our 1030 service. Some of you ended up at our 1030 service because you didn't make the nine o'clock service, did you? <laughs> uh, it's good to have you, whichever service you're in, we're always glad you're here. And if it's your first time with us today, hey, we are so glad that you're here as well because we're in the second week of a conversation, a very important conversation that we feel this season and, this, and, and just the era that we're in right now. And this is a series entitled More Than Meets the Eye. But before we jump into today's talk, uh, let's just celebrate as a church being for each other because two weeks ago we gave you we gave you the challenge and uh, we said hey we want you to be for our students we want you to bless our students so you gave to bless the students in our community by helping provide financial assistance to students that were going to need help paying for their summer camp and here's how you bless them at all of our churches Bunstown, Chipley and Mariana this is the totals that you gave Bunstown over $3,400 Chipley over $1,200 Mariana over $5,700 all total over $10,000 thousand dollars. Can we celebrate that? All of our churches? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Thank you so much for being for the next generation. I can't wait for you to hear the stories this summer from Life Change from our students as they spend that week at camp. And I can't wait to share with you next week our next four opportunity, and you're going, yeah, well, that's not the fourth week, and all. I'm like, no, 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 it doesn't matter. Here's the thing. Here's, we're, we're going to, man, we got some exciting happening this next four give that we're going to do so um you don't want to miss it next sunday now with that suspense hanging in the room go ahead and open up your um apps and you can go to the talk notes there or take out your bibles if you want to go there we're going to be in second corinthians this this uh, today so if you want to go and find that book in the new testament uh, that's where we're going to land um, eventually here in just a moment. So last week, we started out this conversation more than meets the eye. We started out with this question, and that is this. How often do you stop and think about the invisible world that impacts our visible world? Like, how often do you think about the world that we cannot see with our naked eye, but impacts our visible world immensely? And I think all of us, as we said last week, we become more aware of this invisible world and how great an impact it has on us, especially in the areas of germs and a germ also called a virus uh, since COVID-19. Because we believe now that there's this invisible world. We've always believed it, but we just understand it at a whole lot higher level, greater level of the impact that it can have on our lives. And we realize we can't afford to ignore it. And we realize there is so much more to the world than just what meets the eye. Well, in the same way, Jesus comes along and scripture come along and they are very clear that there's also an invisible spiritual world that affects the lives in our lives in a way that we just shouldn't ignore. In fact, Jesus says, hey, there's this invisible spiritual world and it doesn't simply impact our physical world. Jesus says there's this invisible spiritual world and it distorts the truth. It spins, it twists the truth, and it creates lies that when we believe them, put us in great danger. It's an invisible world that impacts everything that we do. Now, here's the thing. You don't need to take a test to determine whether you have been impacted by this invisible spiritual world. All you need to do is look in the rearview mirror. All you need to do is pause and look back at your past. Look back over your life and think about some of the things that you did in your past life. And here's what I can promise you. If you're honest with yourself, you will think something like this. 
How could I have been so blind? How could I have been so confused? How could I have been so deceived? How could I have ever thought that that was a good idea? Or if that doesn't convince you that there's this invisible world, spiritual world that impacts our visible world, just look around at the people that we love, the people that we want the best for, the people that we pray experience the best in their life, and then we watch them make decisions, and we think, why can't you see this for what it is? I mean, it is so clear to everybody else that you're deceived and you're about to make a terrible decision. And we ask the question, how does that kind of thing happen? How can a person live that deceived? Well, here's how. There is more that meets the eye. There's an invisible spiritual world that impacts our visible world. Now, as we learned last week, Jesus believed and he was very clear that this invisible spiritual reality existed. And in a conversation with religious leaders, Jesus gives, and if you want to go back and look at it, you find it in John chapter 8, verse 44. Jesus gives in this conversation with religious leaders some very important and such unsettling and forthright information and insight into this invisible world and how it impacts our visible world, so much so that the religious leaders of that day, they wanted to pick up stones and stone Jesus. And Jesus comes along and he tells these religious leaders, he says, hey, you're buying into this. You've been taken captive. And Jesus said, you are listening to your father, the devil. So Jesus comes along and says, this invisible spiritual world is led by the devil, or another name for the devil is Satan. And Satan's agenda, Jesus says, it was and it is to kill, steal, and destroy everything that God has created that is good. But his ultimate agenda, Jesus said, is the destruction of human life. Don't miss that. It's the destruction of human life. He was and he is a murderer. And while his agenda is to destroy human life, the thing that we began to discover last week is he's limited to lying, limited to deceiving in order to carry out that agenda. So make sure you get this. Satan destroys by deception. Literally, the greater the deception he can bring in our lives, the greater the destruction he can bring in our lives. So his power is limited to deception, distortion, and confusing our perception of reality. So last week, we gave you this. Satan's agenda is the destruction of human life, and how he accomplishes that is through deception. Now, not only did Jesus believe in this invisible spiritual reality, but the Apostle Paul, in one of his letters to the churches that he visited and he started and he wrote letters to at Ephesus, he wrote about how important it is for us to be aware of how this invisible spiritual world impacts our visible reality. More specifically, our personal world, how it engages us. In fact, he says it's so dangerous that he calls us as followers of Jesus to be aware, hey, you are involved in a full-on battle. You are involved in a very intense warfare. In fact, here's how he describes this in Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10. These words he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty or his dunamis power, like 
we get our word dynamite kind of power from that. It's, it's the idea of the same kind of power that raised Christ from the dead. It's dunamis power. He says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. So the apostle Paul comes along. He's saying, listen, the most important thing that you need to remember, he goes, finally, this is the most important thing you need to remember, is that you are in a spiritual war with your enemy, the devil. And then he goes on to say, hey, your biggest battle in life is going to be against the devil's schemes. That's why he says, you need to put on the full armor of God because you're in a full scale battle so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And the question is, what are the devil's schemes? Well, the devil's schemes are to take what is true and distort it just enough to lead you astray. It's to distort, distort the truth just enough that you will take a course in not just the opposite direction necessarily, but off course just enough that you will eventually destroy yourself and you'll destroy as many other people as Satan can use you to destroy in the process. In fact, you might want to write this down. Satan's scheme is to deceive you into destroying yourself and others. So today, we're going to look at another letter that the Apostle Paul wrote, and he wrote this to the church at Corinth, and this is his second letter to them, and so if you want to follow along, as I said, you can follow along in your Bibles. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning in verse 3. Now, in this passage, the Apostle Paul makes us aware of one of the biggest areas that we are going to face battle, that we're going to be attacked in our lives when it comes to this spiritual, invisible war. And it's the battle for control of our minds. There is this constant stream of attacks on the thoughts in our minds, as we're going to see from the Apostle Paul's letter. Here's why we say this, because Satan's scheme is to deceive you, is to deceive you into destroying yourself and others. So here's the thing. If Satan can flood your mind, and if he can get you to believe ideas that he has placed in your mind are your ideas, don't miss that. If Satan can flood your mind, that's his whole motivation right now, is to flood our minds with all these thoughts and ideas. They don't even have to come from him. They, they can come from all kinds of sources. And if he can get you to believe, oh, that's such a good idea, that had to be my idea because I'm so smart, right? Now this is my idea, then he wins because you buy the idea. You own the idea at that point in time. In fact, here's how he works. Our mind is this constant flow, this constant stream of thoughts. In fact, studies say and research shows that we have somewhere between 6,000 and 60,000 thoughts in a day. And some of you go, my husband says he never thinks anything. <laughs> well, he does. What are you thinking? I don't know. Yeah, he's thinking a lot. Anyhow, here's the deal. The gap between the 6,000 and the 60,000 is whether or not you count your repetitive thoughts. Don't miss that. So we have about 6,000, 7,000 original thoughts a day, but this number can go anywhere from 60, some researchers say 70, 75,000, 80. It depends on how many repetitive thoughts that we have. In fact, research says about 90 to 95% of our thoughts are repetitive. That's important in just a moment. And don't miss this. 80% of those thoughts 
are negative. So most of the repetitive thoughts that we have are negative thoughts being replayed. Wow, you talk about a foothold for the devil. 80% of our thoughts are negative. Talk about an opportunity for Satan's scheme to make us believe a lie. So for just a moment, I want you just to pitch your mind as if it were this wire, this line running across the screen. And flowing along this line is a constant flow of thoughts. Now, here's the thing you have to understand about this constant flow of thoughts that are going through our mind. Each one of these thoughts that we have this, this depicted on this screen, they are facial expressions with them, right? Because each one of these facial expressions represents that there is always emotion associated with every thought. Don't miss that. That's why we put all these facial expressions on here. Because every thought you have, there's always an emotion associated with every thought. And if 80% of your thoughts are negative, that means 80% of your emotions are what? Negative. And that's important to recognize. Because everything you do, everything you feel, is more a result of your thought process than what happens to you or even what happens around you. But it doesn't stop there. Here's where the invisible spiritual war impacts our thoughts even on a greater level. Just like what you see on the screen, you have this continual flow of thoughts. And every thought has an emotion with it. And what we don't realize is that Satan's scheme is to constantly work to slip some kind of lie, some kind of deception into your flow of thoughts. Whether it originates with him or with someone else that he's deceived. And you'll notice that we put smiley faces on Satan's face. Not because he's nice or because he's kind. We put the smile on there because he's always scheming to make his deception attractive to you. To make it appealing to you in some way. So that you think that this thought is really your idea. And because you think this thought originated with you, what you do is you enter into agreement with that thought and you're taken captive by that deception. And as we're going to see, the Apostle Paul calls that deception a stronghold in our mind. And the danger for all of us is not being aware of Satan's scheme and how his deception has taken our thoughts and distorted them. His deception has distorted or deceived us through the flow of our thoughts. Because you think, oh, well, this thought, it originated with me. It was my idea. So you listen to it, and it creates, as he said, a stronghold. So this is why the Apostle Paul uses such strong military language in the passage we're about to look at. Because he's saying this is part of your spiritual warfare. He says this is part of the battle that we're in. There is more than meets the eye in the battle to control your thoughts. So if you got your Bibles, go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 beginning in verse 3. Here's what he says. He says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. That's a, such a important reminder for all of us. See, the Apostle Paul is reminding us as followers of Jesus, we don't have to fight this battle on our own and we don't have to fight this battle like the world does because the world loses it. In fact, he goes on to say that if you fight this battle from your willpower, if you use fleshly tactics, you're probably going to end up with some very predictable outcomes. 
And the outcomes are things like constantly feeling defeated, constantly feeling discouraged, constantly feeling depressed, constantly feeling frustrated or angry or resentful or embittered toward God or people or life. And what the Apostle Paul is saying is, if you're not really aware, what you're going to do is you're going to respond to every situation in life, you respond to every difficult situation with your spouse, with your children, with your parents, with your coworkers, using the weapons of this world, fleshly tactics. Now, what is the fleshly or the primary fleshly tactic? It is to attack each other. And Satan wants us to attack each other so that we will destroy each other. In fact, last week I shared with you, his whole goal is that we attack each other. In fact, many of the tactics are lies that the devil places in our mind and he uses or the influence of other people in our mind. And so what we do is we begin to agree with that thought. We think it's our thought, it originates with us. So we agree with that thought. And then when I fight this invisible spiritual war using these fleshly tactics, Satan's deceptive thoughts, what it is is just devastating to me because I go on the attack of other people and other people start attacking me and we just have this big war and Satan looks, sits back and goes, oh, that's great. Y'all just destroy each other. I'll go do something else somewhere over here. See, it's, it's not good for anybody. We lose, everybody loses. And for many of you, whether you're a Christ follower or not, this is your story. You have been losing this invisible spiritual war to the control and the control of your mind because you have been taken captive in your mind and you don't even realize it. But once you become a follower of Jesus, as we're about to learn from verse 4, you have access to help that you previously didn't have. In fact, God promises, he says, I'm going to provide you with the power to win this war in your mind. In fact, the Apostle Paul makes this very clear in verse 4. Notice this. He says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. The weapons of the world, they attack each other. That's the weapon of the world. On the contrary... The weapons we have, they have divine power. There's that word again, dunamis power, to demolish strongholds. They have the power to demolish it. It's not maybe they will. They have the power to demolish it. So don't miss what the Apostle Paul is saying. First of all, he's saying as followers of Jesus, we don't fight like the world fights. See, when we attack each other, we're using human tactics, not tactics, not spiritual tactics. So spiritual warfare is when we attack our enemy, the devil, not each other. Second, he's saying is that the spiritual weapons that we have available to us, they are powerful enough to detect and destroy deception. So the spiritual weapons that we have, they're strong enough to expose all the lies that Satan tries to use to deceive us. Listen, divine power is available to you, but it's not available to you when you're attacking the wrong enemy. See, divine power to win is not available when we attack each other. The Apostle Paul says the weapons we have, they have divine 
powerful. I want you to notice, he, he says, on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And that divine power is the same level of power that raised Jesus from the dead. That's resurrection power. That's the kind of power that Jesus demolished sin and death through his resurrection. He's saying you can demolish these strongholds in your life. So as followers of Jesus Christ, God's divine power, it dwells in us through his person of the Holy Spirit, which means you have, in, you have constant access and you can tap into God's divine resurrection power to detect and destroy those lies and those deceptions from the devil. In fact, according to the Apostle Paul, he says you need this kind of divine power because the battle for control of our mind is one of the most intense spiritual war that you're going to, pieces of war that you're going to fight. Now, what's interesting about this word strongholds here, it's a symbolic reference to a person being locked in by deception. See, the Apostle Paul says that when Satan's lies have entrenched themselves into our mind, they become repetitive thoughts that we play over and over and over again, then they become a stronghold in our mind. And what the Apostle Paul is saying is God wants to, and God has the power to set you free from being taken captive by Satan's deception. And some of you are thinking, well, I don't know if I really have any strongholds in my mind. Now, here, here's why you would say that, because, see, every stronghold you have in your mind it, it is cloaked in deception. So we don't think about, or what we don't think about is when we are deceived, we don't know that we are deceived. That's the thing about deception. When you're deceived, you just don't absolutely don't know it. You go around clueless about it. That's why it's called deception. So strongholds in our life today are beliefs or attitudes, whether they're earthy attitudes, unspiritual attitudes, or demonic attitudes, and they're emotions that cause reactions that keep us from living in the freedom that Jesus died and rose again and empowers us to live in. So strongholds are any tension, they're any reaction, they're any habit that we know that is not right in our lives, but we just keep rationalizing, we keep justifying it, we just keep allowing it in our life. So for example, things like fear. Fear is a powerful stronghold. And I, I, could I say that maybe fear is one of the most powerful strongholds? that Satan uses to keep us in bondage to worry and anxiety. And you know one of the primary ways that he does that? It's through media. I mean, let me just say something as your pastor, and I say this because I love you. Those of you that keep turning on news channels, it doesn't matter if it's Fox, CNN, MSNBC, it doesn't matter what's out there, whether you're going to YouTube for your news, wherever you're going, let, let me just tell you what news channels are. They are the next fear-monging story. And what happens is, is you get locked into that and think, if I could get a little bit more information, then I have more clarity and more understanding. And tomorrow, the next news commentator is going, and notice I said commentator because they're giving opinions more than news. Um, the reality is they're going to come up with the next higher fear story. And it's just this driving of fear on fear on fear. And many of you, you are locked in. You got to see this stuff. You got to listen to this stuff. And Satan sits back and goes, I got that one. They're locked up. 
They're scared to death. They're not going to be any impact for the kingdom of God. They say they love Jesus, but there's a stronghold of fear that has got them captive. Some of you could break free if you just turned off the media. And some of you are going, how would I live? <laughs> That's when you would really begin to live. Or for some of you, your stronghold is an addiction to something. I mean, listen, we know the devastation of the stronghold of addiction, whether it's in your life or other people's life. It could be that. And you keep justifying, you keep justifying it. And other people are like, you got to deal with this. And you keep justifying it. Or how about anger? I mean, anger can be a stronghold that keeps us from experiencing joy and peace and healthy relationships with other people. Some of us, we are so addicted to anger. It's such a stronghold in our life. We wouldn't, be we wouldn't have motivation for life if we didn't have anger. That anger adrenaline is what keeps you motivated. And Satan just sits back and goes, yeah, that's good. I got that person. They're in a stronghold. Or jealousy or envy or bitterness or unforgiveness. All of those are strongholds that keep us from experiencing grace or being a person of grace. Now, one that we don't think about much in our culture, and that is this selfishness. I mean, the stronghold of selfishness or self-centeredness. I mean, this entitlement mindset that leads to narcissism. It just keeps us from living a life of service and sacrifice. Always about putting our needs and our desires above everybody else. Listen, there are so many strongholds. That, that can hold us in bondage. And here's the thing. Most of those things, did you notice they're not really wicked or vile, those things that I mentioned? And that's what's so deceptive about them. And that's why the Apostle Paul says, we need the divine power of the person and the presence of Jesus indwelling us to help us recognize and break free from these strongholds. And the good news is, in the last part of verse 5, the Apostle Paul, he tells us, here's how you can break hold free from these strongholds. He says, we demolish, we take them out. Not with our power, but with the resurrection of power of Christ that dwells in us. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, I want you to notice this term, we demolish. Meaning those lies, those distortions, they're so dangerous, they must be completely removed from our mind. That's why some of you need to take a Sabbath or a sabbatical from any media. You need to fast from it. And I'm just telling you, this is why reading the Bible consistently, particularly the New Testament teachings of Jesus and his followers... It can be so transformative for your life because here's the thing. When you open scripture, you get this clear picture of the vision and the value of God's kingdom. And as you begin to see a vision of God's kingdom and the values of God's kingdom, that's when you begin to discover truth. And that's where you find the narratives on which to build your life. Let me tell you, as long as you try to build your life on the narrative from anything you're getting from this world, you're going to be miserable. But once you find the truth, once you do the hard work of taking captive every false narrative and replacing it with truth, which means you're going to have to spend more time in God's word than you are listening to the world 
then you don't let those thoughts rattle around in your head anymore. You don't let them move freely in your life anymore. And whenever one of those false narratives pops up, you, you don't give it a moment of time. No, you react by attacking that thought and saying, this is not true. You take it captive. You strike it down again and again because that thought has become so repetitive in many of our minds that it's just a habit. And we go there without understanding that we're going there. And you remind yourself, no, I'm not going to think that thought. That thought is not true. It's not helpful. It's not kind to me or either of the people around me. And you go back to the scripture and go, no, this is what God says about me. I am his child. I lo I'm loved by him. He cares about me. That's what's true. That's what's helpful. That is what is kind. So that means that any thought that's not pleasing to God, anything that contradicts what God says about us or what God says about others, we take that thought into captivity and we reject it. Because here's the thing, you will, either take your, you will either take your thoughts into captivity or your thoughts will take you into captivity. Now here's the good news. And this is why, here's the hope for all of us. Satan is not omnipresent. Don't miss what I just said there. Satan is not omnipresent and he's not omnipotent, meaning he's not all powerful. Meaning he can't be everywhere and he's not all power. So he is primarily, and this is why we say it, he's primarily limited to using others who are deceived and using those old soundtracks in our minds that lies that we believe to influence our mind and our thoughts. But here is what the Apostle Paul is saying about this divine power piece. God is omnipresent, which means God is always present with you, and God is all-powerful, meaning he's more powerful than Satan, so that you have the ability at any point in time when you hear that negative thought come up to tap into the person of the Holy Spirit within you, God's presence within you, and Take that thought into captivity. His divine power is always available to you to take that thought into captivity. And some of you are saying, oh, I would love to do that. How do I do that? Let me just kind of give you some practical ways to think about this. You not only need to take that thought into captivity, but you need to replace that thought. You got to get rid of that repetitive thought that keeps replaying over and over and over. All those repetitive thoughts that you keep, you need to replace them. You place the, replace the lies and the destructive thoughts or the deceptive thoughts that Satan wants to insert in your mind with the truth from God's word. So let me give you three words that have kind of helped me over the years with this process, and I pray that it help you as well. Here they are. The first one is you need to identify, you need to reject, and you need to replace. So I want you, all of us, all of us, all our churches, Bluntstown, Mar uh, Mariana, and, and Chipley, let's all say these together. We need to identify, we need to reject, and we need to replace. Let's do it one more time. We need to identify, we need to reject, and we need to replace. So the first thing you do is you identify that thought is not from God. You identify that the thought is not from God. And identifying that thought is not from God is not as hard as you think. Even if you don't know much about the Bible. Maybe you're sitting here today going, well, I don't hardly know anything about the Bible. How am I going to be able to identify that thought? Well, let me just kind of give you some things. You might want to make some notes down. Here you go. If it puts you in a bad mood. If it emotionally triggers you. If it depresses you, 
If it discourages you, if it makes you angry, if it makes you frustrated, if it makes you worry, if it makes you anxious, if it makes you think less of yourself, or if it makes you think less of others, if it makes you critical of yourself, if it makes you critical for others, it's not from God. If it's not true, if it's not kind, if it's not helpful, it's a lie. And it's got to be all three of those criteria. Because you go, well, it may be a little bit true. Well, is it kind? Is it helpful? Well, then it's a lie. So you identify the lie from Satan. And then second of all, you reject that thought. You say, I'm not going to meditate on that thought because that's all meditation is in the negative sense. It's worry, it's anxiety replaying itself, it's fear replaying itself. So I'm not going to meditate on that thought. Instead, I'm going to meditate on God's word. I'm not going to let that thought build this stronghold in my mind and replay again and again and again and again until it takes me captive. I'm going to take it captive. I'm not going to let that thought influence who I become, what I believe about myself, about others, or even about life. I'm going to reject it, and instead, I'm going to replace it with God's truth, which is the third thing, is I replace it with God's truth. And let me just kind of give you a guide to help you filter and take captive all of those thoughts. What we did is we made a card for you that gives you a filter on the back for every thought you think that will help you understand, is this thought worth thinking about? Now, this, this is not only to help you know what thoughts to take captive, but it will also help you replace those lies with truth. It's the words of the Apostle Paul to the church at Philippi. Notice what he says. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, meaning honorable or honest, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, I want everybody to say this next line with me when I get to it again, think about such things. Ready? Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, everybody ready? Here we go. Think about such things. So what do I need to think about? I need to think about all of these things. And then he goes on. He goes, oh, by the way, you can't just read this and make a difference in your life. There's an application point. Notice what he says. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, everybody ready? Put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Listen, many of you are looking for the God of peace to be with you. And God's peace wants to be with you. God is doing everything he can to bring his peace to you. But you can't experience peace because you won't attempt even to win the battle in your mind. You know you have negative thoughts. You got up this morning, you had grumpy thoughts. Most of you woke up this morning, you're like, oh, I got up an hour early. I can't believe I'm going to church an hour early. Oh, this is so terrible. Our government, can you believe this? Oh my gosh, every year I'm like, I do this. It is what it is, folks. And once you realize it is what it is, it's no longer an issue. Somebody asked me, how did you wake up so joyful this morning? Well, I went to bed a little bit earlier because I knew a year ago this was going to happen. There's a thought for you. But, you know, we just ruin our lives. Well, I can't believe this. Can you believe this? No, 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 no. And so we ask ourselves, is this true? So we gave you this card. You can carry this card around with you. So like when you're working this week, you just pull it out of your pocket, or your pocketbook, they're going, 
What are you looking at? I just got to see if this thought's worth thinking about. You know, it's just, I got this thought. I got to do something. I mean, notice this phrase. He says, think about such things. Means you only allow the things on this list to stay in your mind. Whatever is pure, you think about it. Whatever is lovely, you think about it. Whatever is noble, you think about it. Whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is excellent, whatever is right, whatever is noble, just meditate on those kind of thoughts. Let them infuse your mind. And here's what will happen. As you do this, it's going to clear out the clutter of your mind, that 80% of negative thinking. And then you can even, de you can even detect those de de destructive thoughts that Satan places in our flow quicker, and you can take and reject them easier. So it's much easier, and they do much less damage when that happens. And then you start living in the truth, and you respond with truth, because now you're spending time in God's word. And so rather than sinking in this destructive lies of the evil one who wants to destroy you, you replace them with the truth of God's word. That's what you do. You replace them with the truth of God's word. It's why it is so vital that you spend time in God's word daily. It's the only way you're going to place lies with the truth. You got to believe the truth. You got to say, God, what, what you say in your word? And I'm telling you, if there was ever a season that you need to make sure you're spending more time in God's word than you're spending listening to anything from the world, it's now. Stop listening to the lies of state, Satan. Reject them don't let them saturate your mind anymore. Let it be saturated with truth. The apostle Paul said, let the word of Christ dwell in you, what? Richly. It's like he's saying, when you eat that piece of cake or you eat that dessert one day and you, and you bite into it and you go, ooh, that is rich. You know what he's saying? There's so much sugar in there. You can't take a bite without just penetrating everything. That's what he's saying. You let the word of God dwell in you richly. So when you get bumped, when you get cut, whenever happens to you, God's spirit flows out of you. Listen, you will either take your thoughts into captivity by the word of God. It's the only way it'll happen. There's no other way. Understanding what's true or your thoughts will take you into captivity. So our challenge to you today is that you begin to immerse yourself into God's word so much that you're able to identify, reject, and replace. So here's my question. Will you do the hard work of being honest with yourself about the war for control of your mind? And, and here's my bigger question. Will you talk to somebody about it? You, you need to drag it into light. And I'm gonna tell you, if you resist telling someone that war those thoughts that you have going on in your mind, they just replay and replay. It's an indication that you know it's false. Because it was truth, you'd love to tell that. But you need to bring it to the light. Take those false narrative and do what the apostle Paul said. Demolish them by focusing your thoughts on what is pure, what is noble, what is true, what is right, what is excellent, what is praiseworthy, what's honorable, what's honest. And the promise is, if you take every thought captive and you make it line up with what Jesus said, you will experience the peace that only God can bring to your heart. And don't we all want peace? Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I pray right now 
that you will help every one of us to make a commitment that for the next week, for the next 30 days, next three months, whatever it is, we're gonna take a Sabbath. We're gonna take us a battle. We're gonna fast from the messages of the world. And we're gonna focus on listening to the message from your word. God, I, I know that the biggest battle that every one of us are gonna fight is when we walk out of the buildings in just a moment is to turn on all of those old channels that we used to listen to. And I just pray that you'll help every one of us to say, Jesus, I, I'm serious about winning this war in my mind. And so I, I'm turning off the world and I'm turning on the word. God, I pray that you help us to do that by listening to scripture, by reading scripture, by listening to podcasts that we know are trustworthy from people that are helping us understand truth from your word. God, help us to guide what we listen to, not be guided by whatever the world wants us to listen to. I thank you for the victory that we can have if we shut out the world and its deceptive message and we tap in to your divine power that is revealed and displayed to us through your truth. I thank you for your truth. And I thank you that you said we can know the truth and once we do, we can be set free. So help us be committed to living in truth. In Jesus' name, I give you thanks. Amen. Amen. Hey, everyone, thank you so much for being with us today. On your seat when you came in, there was a invite card. Make sure you start inviting some people to be with you at our Easter service in four weeks. You don't wanna miss it. It's gonna be a great Sunday. We'll see you next week.